0: As you take your seats, go ahead and turn to the Book of Psalms, Psalm chapter sixteen is where we're going to be this morning. As we talk about thanks doing, thanks doing, uh, as a part of our uh, series where we give thanks. Next week we'll talk talk about thanks living, and so we're going to bookend with thanks doing and thanks living, Thanksgiving, and so all of that will unfold over these next few days. It's the uh, Day before Thanksgiving, the man when he went to work that day had one job. His wife had told him to make sure he went and picked up the turkey so that she could have it ready for Thanksgiving dinner. The end of the work day has come, and then on his way home, he remembered he was supposed to get a turkey. And he had not. <laughs> Living in a small town, he uh, went to a um, butcher shop there in town and got there as the butcher was locking up the door. And he banged on the door, and the butcher said through the door, we're closed, happy Thanksgiving, go home. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I need to get in. And so the butcher let him in, and as the butcher let him in, the man said, I was supposed to pick up a turkey. It's my only job I had. I didn't do it. So if I don't pick up this turkey, I'm going to be in deep trouble when I get home. You need to help me. Butcher said, you need a turkey. He said, yes, I do. He said, well, let me see what I got. So he we went back in the freezer and went back in the freezer and it had been a good year. The butcher had one turkey left. Skinny. But at least, uh, so glad you asked. It was so skinny. It looked like a turkey that got in a fight and got the stuffing knocked out of him. It was so skinny that he wasn't a gobbler. He was a goblet. We'll stay all day. So skinny uh, that if he, uh, if he was a piece of fruit, he would have been plucked too early from the pole tree. This uh-huh. turkey was skinny. Anyway, and the man, back to my story, the man bought the turkey out and showed him to the man who needed a turkey, and he said, this is what I've got. The guy looks at me, "Man, that turkey's too skinny. You got anything else? Put your turn and went back in the freezer, knowing that there was nothing back in there. But he stood for a couple minutes, so he'd make the man would think he was looking. And then he came back out this time with the same turkey, this time under his arm like a football and, and kind of leaning, <laughs> making it look like it was heavier. He walked out, he goes, I got this one. He goes, but this is it. And the guy said, man, that's pretty skinny too. I'll take both of them. Now the problem is in that moment Thanksgiving wasn't going to be good in his house because he just hadn't done what he needed to do. See the problem we have with Thanksgiving is that Thanksgiving we don't get the full impact of it because we don't do what we need to do. Now Thanksgiving is nestled just between Halloween and Christmas And, and Thanksgiving is not a blockbuster holiday by the way. Most of you Don't run out and buy Thanksgiving presents for your friends. Most of you are not going to have presents around the turkey when everyone sits down uh, to eat. And and you're not going to share presents. There's no good Thanksgiving films. No good Thanksgiving classics. You know, no one wants to sit down and and, and watch a Thanksgiving movie. What we do is we wait Thanksgiving, so Christmas movies will come. And, And, of course, we don't watch Thanksgiving films. See, Thanksgiving is not that cash cow like Christmas is, um, but yet we're on the verge of that, and so it's good that we slow down because the next four or five weeks you're going to get busy. There's things to do, there's places to go, there's events to come to, there's there's moments where you'll want to put them on your calendar and make sure that you're here. If you don't have Christmas Eve plans, we're going to be outside again, and so if you're with us last year, you survived below thirty degree weather. We worship together; it was awesome. We're going to do it again this year at seven o'clock, though, instead of eight o'clock. We'll only stay about an hour. If you don't get here on time this year, we'll wave at you as, we, as you come in, because we're leaving. We'll be gone at 8. Be here at 7 o'clock, and we'll see what we can do. But for, before the insanity begins, though, Thanksgiving shows up. And that's what we're going to celebrate. Sir John Templeton was asked one time, What is the secret of wealth? And he said this, gratitude. If you're not grateful, you're not rich, no matter how much you have. Now, if you have your worship flyer, there were some uh, fill-in-the-blanks in that, and I want to give you the first one right now, and it kind of starts us off as we kind of think about being thankful today, and it's simply this, if you're grateful, you're rich no matter how little you have. If you're grateful, you're rich no matter how little you have. And so today, we're going to talk about how your life can become rich, how there can be a quality to your life that is there that comes out of not how much you have financially, not how much stuff you have, not how much you can inventory of things that you've accomplished, but instead of what God has done for you and how to look at what you have and be thankful. See, because we have a tendency in our life, in our culture, to always compare to somebody else, right? There's always somebody out there that we're always using as our standard of whether or not we are thankful or not. Someone is better off than we are. They're richer, their lives are fuller, they're more exciting than ours. And when we think that way, we're thinking that somehow we got shortchanged, that we were in the wrong line when blessings were being passed out. And when we think that way, though, We distort our thinking. So let's talk turkey for a minute. I want you to realize that having a thankful heart is not about comparing yourself to others, it is about recognizing and acknowledging what God has done in your life. And all of us need to be better at that. And that's a choice that we make. And so every one of you in this room can have a rich life, you really can. And every one of you in this room can have a life where you celebrate that. But you have to choose to do that. And that's your choice. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now you may have noticed there's a chair up here. This chair is an important part of what we're doing today. It becomes um, the backdrop, if you will, for some things that we're going to think about. But to help you do that, I'm going to ask you to watch this video Hmm, right now. On the screen right now. be nice if in the course of our lifetime, God would slide in a chair every time that we needed to stop what we were doing and be thankful and we just need to notice it and kind of jump over and, and 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 sit down and take that moment that we need to be thankful uh, see I, I you know i, I don't know how your life rolls, and I don't know, you know, all the things that you do on any given week, but here's what I know we all could do with having a Thanksgiving chair in our life. A place that we go that we could just say thanks, no matter what's going on, and, and it kind of draws us back into that perspective that we need to have so we can remember what's really important in life. And not only that, but then... I love the end of that video when the dad, who's got a lot of stuff going on, by the way, whew, takes his child and puts the child in that chair and you know he's just patting that chair, he's explaining why you've got to be thankful. See, i ever notice that when you're not thankful, the people around you don't seem to be thankful either. It's so infectious. It's so contagious. And a lot of us in our lives... Need to learn how to do thanks. We're just not very good at it. We need to get better at it. We need a Thanksgiving chair in our lives. Need that moment that someone could look at our lives and we could sit down and rustle? Sit down. Sit down right there. What do you have to be thankful for today? My family. Family. Yeah, that's good. You know. get <laughs> up. It's not that tough, is it? Not that hard. Brooke? What are you thankful for? Your father. <laughs> My father. Okay. Well, anything else you want to be thankful for? No. I'm grateful I woke up in a safe home and... Have a lovely family that loves me. There you go. What yeah. right, to be thankful for. She's not bad, huh? Mm-hmm. Some of you want to borrow my chair for your party this week, don't you? Tom Tommy, sit down, move your chair. Mm-hmm. What are you thankful for? Thankful besides Richard. I was thankful in a thankful mood, but uh thankful for my church. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Okay, that's good. Get up. That way. All right. Hey, Richard. <laughs> Why don't you sit down and tell me how thankful you are for your father-in-law? Yes, I would not be here today if it was not for my father-in-law. I, I agree with that. I'm thankful for a new heart, or at least a replumbed heart. I'm thankful for my wife and my family. Uh, I'm thankful that I get to worship with a congregation that uh, has a DNA that wants to change the world. Um, I, I feel blessed that I was raised in uh, a family that pointed me to Jesus uh, as well. So I am more than blessed and more than thankful. That's good. That's good. Good job. I like that red sock, too. All right. <laughs> Leroy? Uh. I've never seen so many people ducking. Don't stop, Don't stop by me. 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 What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for the, for the family we have here at church. Uh, I know I've been in some real tough situations. God has healed me in a lot of special ways, and I've had the support of this church to get me back to where I am. Yeah. And, and thankful for the leadership that we have here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. See how much fun it is to have a thankful chair? Yeah. And see, whether you realize or not, we all have them. And we just don't take the time to sit down in them. We don't know how to do things. And one of the things that we have to learn in our life is we have to learn how to get that right. Because if you don't, here's what I know about you. You'll never have the life you were created to live, ever. We're going to talk about that. I want to show you three things out of this passage that is stuff that you do that will help you do thanks. Okay? These are things that you can do to do thanks. The first one is simply this. Gobble until you wobble. Gobble until you wobble. What I mean by that is acknowledge that God is the source of all good things in your life and do it over and over and over and over again. You ever heard a turkey start gobbling? You just can't shut it up. And you need to be that kind of person. I want to challenge you to be the kind of person that is so thankful you annoy other people. Wouldn't it be great if we could be that kind of church where people go, oh, (laughs) first it goes to church 434. All I'm going to do is hear how thankful they are because God's done so much for them. And I'm going to hear all day how, how good God is and how God's blessing and what God's doing. Wouldn't it be awful to be that kind of person? Be it. I mean, I challenge you, be so thankful that you annoy other people. You know why? Because people who aren't thankful get annoyed when you get thankful. Because it makes them feel guilty because they're not. And they like their misery. And you mess up their misery when you're thankful. Be that kind of person. Verse 2 says this, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. In the New Testament, the book of James, it says this in James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lives. All the things that you have in your life, God is a source. God's a source. And the problem that folks have with thankfulness is that if you don't recognize God as a source, it's never gonna be enough. If you don't see God as the source and the giver of the good things that you have, you're never going to have enough because you're never gonna have what you want because you don't want the things that God wants. And so we live in a world that's been blessed But I dare to say there's a lot of people moving through life, maybe even a lot of followers, who don't realize how blessed they are. And my challenge is to you is get in that chair often enough and gobble till you wobble. In other words, just be that person that's always stopping and always pausing, always thanking God for what it is that he's done. Christian uh, psychologist Robert McGee has a gratitude exercise that he does with his clients where he wants him to recognize the goodness of God in every situation of life. One of the challenges he gives, is he said, "Thank God for at least a hundred things from the time that you get up until you go to work in the morning." When he was asked to give some example of that, he said, "Well, when you wake up, thank God that you had a bed to sleep in, a pillow for your head, a blanket or sheet to keep you warm. Thank God that you slept under a roof and not out under the elements. Thank God that you have an alarm clock or a phone that helps you get up on time. That you have electricity to light and heat your home. Thank God that you have running water or a coffee maker or a refrigerator that keeps things cold. A stove to cook your food. You can thank God for your toothbrush, your toothpaste, your deodorant, your soap, your shampoo, your shower, your indoor plumbing. You get the idea. Before you got here this morning, you had lived through a number of blessings that everyone in the world doesn't have. And you've lived through a number of blessings that if it weren't for the grace of God, you wouldn't have. And we have to learn to start thanking God for it because a lot of things in our life, we just take for granted. We take for granted God's good gift to us and there are thousands of things to thank him for. I mean, it, it can be anything. We can thank God for the song that you were listening to on the way in, a writer that you enjoy reading, a restaurant that you like eating in, a park you enjoy visiting, and those are little things. The big stuff of family and friends and job and a place to live and all of those kind of things. There are things that we enjoy and things that we benefit from. And those things are a gift from God. They give us a quality and a richness. And there's a word again. wife. That we can't get anywhere else. And when our focus shifts on what we don't have. Or who has it better than we do then we rob ourselves of the good things that God is doing around us. David, as he's writing this passage, says, every good thing comes from God. And without God, all of these things are meaningless. And see, and that explains what happens in the world around us. Because if you take God out of the mix of the blessings that he gives, you take God and you take take that, that spiritual giving out of it, then it's just stuff. And it's just stuff that people are chasing, thinking, if I had this, I would be better. If I could get this, life would be good. If I could just have a little bit more, please, I would be okay. But because God is not in the mix, it's never going to be enough. Because without God, all of the stuff is meaningless. We live in a world that desperately, desperately wants stuff. But because they've taken God out of the mix, this stuff has no meaning. And you have to find a chair somewhere. that might have to be a little chair, but it could be. Where you step out and you say thanks over and over and over again. Until you get so good at it. Until it becomes a habit that you just don't miss the opportunity to say thanks. Chances are, guys, car when you stop. Chances are, guys, I could put an extra, extra Thanksgiving chair by your chair at work. But it doesn't mean it's not there, and it doesn't mean that it's not a place that you need to go and say thanks, and you need to do it often. Gobble, till you wobble. Second thing, I want you to see is oh, I want you to see this all about the base. I want you to recognize the pleasant places in your life. Look, verse 5 says this, Lord, you're not alone in my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. And in verse 6a, as is a verse I've read a lot of times and I don't think I've ever paid attention to the words. But listen to what Psalmist says. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Isn't that a great phrase? The boundary lines that God has put in your life have fallen in pleasant places. I, I read this passage, I don't know how many times. I have never thought about that. I never thought about the significance of that phrase. The boundary lines that God has drawn for me fall in the pleasant places. And I get to enjoy them. See, it's interesting that David said that. Because David had a lot he could complain about in his life, if you think about it. See, if David were a product of our culture, he would have ended up on the Jerry Springer show. Well, some of you act like you don't know what that is. But some of you do know exactly who I'm talking about, Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer's passed away, but his audience, that rowdy audience, was just, Jerry, Jerry. And they would fight. People would fight on the stage. I mean, he would, bring, he would, he would, he would go out into the highways and byways and find people who had stories to tell that their families wouldn't let them tell. And he put them on national TV to tell their story. If David would have been on there, he would have said something like this. I was that unwanted kid in my family. None of my older brothers respected me. Matter of fact, one time I took them to lunch, when I I was taking lunch to them, and they forced me to go out, forced me to go out and fight a nine-foot-tall giant. They made me pick up my own stones off the battlefield to go fight that guy when the government should have been protecting me. The king should have been taking care of me. And they let me down. And then the same king, who didn't protect me, tried to kill me. He chased me for years and years and years, and I had to live in caves. I was even there one time when the king came in to pee. In the cave I was hiding in, he used my home as a toilet. My best friend was taken from me, and then this temptress seduced me when I was out minding my own business, enticed me to commit murder. Now, that's not exactly what happened. But if you know the story of David, if David would have been on Jerry Springer, that's how he would have told it. And then he could have ended the saga by saying, and eventually my own son rebelled against me and my family was torn apart. Oh, woe is me. David could have said all of those things because that happened in his life. (laughs) Not exactly that way, but it happened in his life. Those are things that he experienced. And so here he is writing this psalm. Because other things happened in his life too. Good things. Things that he did focus on. The pleasant things. Or what he looked at. See, and I want you to know that everyone in this room has a choice. Your life can either be a tragedy or it can be a victory. And the difference is what story do you want to tell? What story do you want to focus on? See, I can tell you my woes and I can tell you things that I don't like, and you might feel sorry for me. You can tell me the same thing about your life and I might feel sorry for you or I can tell you about the good things that God has done and that can be the story that I communicate with my life. You ever have a moment where you wonder like, people don't want to be around me. Well, you don't know why? Because that downside of you is showing. And sometimes we get so guilty of falling into the trap of trying to compare with other people and we miss out on the areas of our life, the boundaries of our life where God has allowed those pleasant places to be. And I want you to know, you all have them. And David, as a psalmist, could have written about the family problems. He could have written about the mistakes he made. He could have written about the fact that he uh, didn't uh, get along with his brothers very well. He could have written about the years on the run from the king. He could have written about losing his best friend. But instead, what did he write about? How God time and time again had taken his life and landed him in the pleasant places. Why? It's not that the other things didn't happen. It's not those other circumstances weren't there. He just refused to look at them. And instead, what he did is he focused on what God did and what God was doing because God was always moving him forward. How do you do with that, by the way? See, it's all about that flavoring that you want to put in your life. You want to be the negative Nelly and the nasty Norton? You can be. You didn't think I'd come up with an end name that quick, did you? Yeah, look at that. It's was And we have to learn to recognize and thank God for the pleasant places. Because those are the moments that we discover who he really is and where he does some of his best work. See, I'm convinced that the culture we live in is so messed up because we live in a world of the aware and the unaware. If you are aware of how much you're loved... If you're aware of a God who loves you and who died for you, if you're aware of a God who gives you gifts, and you're aware of a God who came in inner time and space that you have a life better with him than you could have without him, when you become aware of that, that changes everything about what you do next. When you're unaware, and you've lost that God element, and you have no clue as to what needs to happen next. You have no clue as to what decision to make. You have no clue as to what to say when you sit down in the Thanksgiving chair. You are just simply unaware. And I want to say something to you that is tough, but it's important that you understand this, because this is the way it works. This is this biblical pattern that we see. You're not joyful And then become grateful. You're grateful first. And then you become joyful. Everybody wants to be joyful. The problem with so many people is you're never going to be joyful because you keep waiting for the joy to make you grateful. And it doesn't work that way. It's when you learn to give thanks and you learn to be grateful for what God has done. You discover the joy that you so desperately And so we have people who live their entire lives wanting and missing out on the joy that is there simply because they refuse to see and be grateful for what God has done in the pleasant places of their life and they are so frustrated by that that joy never comes. And they get mad at God and they get mad at others because they're not joyful. They're miserable and they're always stuck in that place of misery because they're not grateful for what they have. Because it's only when you're grateful for what you have that you discover joy and some people maybe even you are trying to come at that backwards and cattywampus and it's not working for you I guarantee it you don't have to give me the details I can already tell you it's not working and if it works it's just a temporary fix it's not, it's not really joy it's just holding over till you get to the next thing and so that checkpoint in our life is, what are you seasoning your life with? What is it that's bringing the flavor to your life? Because if you're living a life that is abundant, and if you're living a life that is joyful, it's because you've learned to discover that God is at work, and he is allowing you to land in those pleasant places. The boundary lines of your life are in those pleasant places, and you can be thankful that God has given them to you, because you look around and you see the good things that God has happening. It just depends on what story you want to tell. It depends on where you're looking. And the third thing that you can do is simply this. Remember this. Tater's got to tate. And haters got to hate. But you look ahead to better days. Look at verse 6b. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. See, David's take on all that's gone on is simply this. Whatever the future holds for me, is even better than what I have right now. And that's the amazing thing about the Psalms. When you read the Psalms, and you remember that the bulk of them are going to be written by David, he's honest about life. He never, he never neglects the circumstances. I mean, how many times you read the Psalm and, and, and his enemies are, are, are just outside the city gate how many times uh, do you read the psalm and as David writes it, it sounds like he's about to be killed, but yet then he turns it back around and he says, but from you, God, I will get strength and I will give glory to you and you provide for me and you take care of me and you comfort me through all of this. See, the psalms are very honest about circumstances, but they're always optimistic. Why? Because they're always looking to God. And with God, your future is always, always going to be better. Psalm 23, six says this, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Further on in the psalm, Psalm 48.14, God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide till the very end. Psalm 85.12, The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Psalm 85.12. And then in today's text, verse 11, it says this, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures. At your right hand. Let me Paraphrase, David is saying the best is yet to come. As crazy as life is, as wild as life is, as up and down as life is, you've done so many good things, God, and the best is still yet to come. And when you live with a thankful heart, you can believe that. But for some of you, you can't see the best is coming. And you think that's because of the people around you. I think that's because of God. But the reason you can't see it is because you have a gratitude problem. You're not grateful. And you'll never discover joy. And all of the byproducts that joy brings, which are a lot, by the way. Because when you're joyful, you discover peace. When you're joyful, you discover that elusive thing called Happiness. When joyful, when you're joyful, you find security in in knowing that whatever's going on, even in chaos, it's okay. You never find it because you're not grateful. When your mindset is, I have so little and everyone else has so much, you can't be optimistic about the future. When you're constantly in touch with what you don't have and that becomes your focus, You can't see anything bright tomorrow. You can't sing like Annie and know the sun's going to come out tomorrow. You can't get there from where you are simply because you're not willing to see it. You have another fill in the blank. Let me give it to you. It says this. People who don't look forward to the future don't enjoy the present either. See, a lot of people, the craziness of it is, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm miserable now, but the future's going to be better. No, it's not. It can't be. Because you're not enjoying the present. Why? Because you're consumed with what's wrong in the present. And it's just crazy to think the future's going to be any different. Because you know who goes into the future with You. You. And you take yourself into the future and you bring the misery with you. And also, and this isn't in there, but also people who don't look forward to the future also didn't appreciate the past. Even though they're always wanting to go back there. See, the memories are so fun. The past was so good. I, I miss this and I wish we did this and I, I want to do this and, and, and this was fun and, 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 and it could just be like this again. And like but see, it wasn't that good. And here's why, because you've dishonored the past by not bringing with you into the present so you can move to the future. If you want to go back to the past, you've dishonored the past that was. You've dishonored the moments that you had. You've dishonored the people that were there. You've dishonored what God was doing for you there when he put you in the pleasant places because the intent was to put you in the pleasant places so you can move into tomorrow and move into the future. And you didn't, and so what you do is you keep going back to that same spot that you say you enjoyed, but you never enjoyed it. And the proof is in the pudding. You dishonor it. You dishonor where you've been because you can't move forward into the future. And you wonder why there's no joy. You need to sit in the Thanksgiving chair. You need to stop life, slow down long enough, and get your happy butt in the Thanksgiving chair. And sit there until you get it right. Sit there until you're thankful. Sit there until you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you and He's blessed you and He hasn't forgotten about you. And if you can't, you'll never have joy. And I've read the Bible through I don't know how many times. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make you miserable, He didn't bleed out and die and offer up His Spirit so that you could complain. He didn't die so that you could sit around saying, Woe is me. Because here you know what I know, and as bad as any day of my life has been, I've never had as bad a day as Jesus had that day. And all he asks us to do is be thankful. Be thankful. Let me give you the N What challenge prayer. It's a daring prayer. It's not for the faint of heart. If you're a coward, you're not going to do it. I'm already telling you, if you're a coward, you're not going to do it. But if you don't do it, you're not willing to do it. Kids, cover your ears. Thursday's going to suck. Because you will move into another Thanksgiving day, and you will plod through the Thanksgiving day, and you'll focus on the wrong things, and you'll walk away, and you won't have gotten the message. We'll edit that out later. Here's the prayer. God, make me more thankful than I should be. And then double it. God, make me more thankful than I should be. Then double it. You might not be able to get out of Thanksgiving chair all day. We might come back next Sunday and say, How was your Thanksgiving? I don't know. I was in my Thanksgiving chair all day. Couldn't get up. I was too busy thanking God. Wouldn't it be awesome? But the choice is indeed yours. Because each one of those things that I just told you out of that passage are things that you can do today to be thankful in the now and discover joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have a lot to be thankful for. So much more than we realize so much more than we know. And we thank you this day, this time of year, because everything that we do starts rifling us to a celebration of your birth, that gift of love, that expression of love that shows your love in a way that we've never been shown before. It reminds us that our life can be so much so much bigger and so much bolder and so much better than we could have ever hoped. But for some, that journey has to begin with accepting the gift that you offered to us on the cross. The gift of eternal life that came about because you came back from the grave, you conquered death. You took the sting of death so that we could walk through the shadow. So Lord, if there's anyone in this room who's never made that decision to believe and trust and follow Jesus, I pray that before they would leave this morning, they would do that. Simply fill out a response page inside of a worship flyer and put in our on giving kiosk and let us know that that's what they want to do and allow us a chance to come alongside of them and help them know how that decision's made and what it means. Lord, there's some who are watching online who still never made that decision. And so even now... Lord, allow them to be prompted to go ahead and just send us an email and say, I want to accept Jesus as Savior. In that moment, it opens the door for us to be able to send them some stuff that we have ready to go. And we'll open up a conversation, we hope, that will allow them to find a place where they can worship. And we've been doing that even this past week, helping people connect all over the world. But Lord, for many in this room, We are facing Thanksgiving once again. And we're already taking inventory of our life and trying to figure out what it's going to look like and what it's going to be like. Lord, my prayer, my hope for this day is that we would be thankful. And so Lord, draw us to those Thanksgiving chairs in our life. Help us to find those places where we can stop and be thankful. Remind us regularly what we need to do and how we need to do it and Help us to understand that when we do that, joy follows. And we can celebrate a Thanksgiving like we never have before. And follow it with a Christmas like we've never experienced before. That's our desire. Hope for this day. Amen.